And welcome to today's edition of The Final Call here on Radio Massasoit. I'm your host, Andrew Fantuccio. Alongside me, as always, Ben Mendes. Good to be here. On our one year anniversary. That's right. You heard that right. One year of the final call. Ben, how did it feel going back and hearing uh, the very first time you popped the mic on the final call as Ben Mendes? How'd that sound to you? It was pretty hard to listen to. I'm not going to lie. Wow. It was just a stroll down memory lane. That was that was such a crazy that was crazy time, you know, and we could be within six feet of each other in a studio, you know, before a global pandemic. Life was good back then. Jason, you were there that day. You really didn't say much. That was sort of like your inaugural episode to the whole radio uh, side of things. How how do you think we've done in this last year? Yeah, that that first episode was my like kind of an initiation for me. Um, I got to work the soundboard. That was a great time. Got to fade it in. Andrew, I remember every episode you'd uh, look at me and like put your hand down a little bit more to fade in the music. Uh, <laughs> but Ben, you've had a lot of nicknames, but I'm not gonna lie, Mendy's is uh is one of the best ones. So yep, hey, <laughs> what a time to be alive back then, huh? <laughs> yep, yep, that was crazy. It's been a year, but there's still plenty of stuff going on now, including Le'Veon Bell signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think of the addition of Bell to the Chiefs offense, Jason? I like it. It it adds another layer. Kansas City was kind of middle of the pack in terms of rushing. Now they add another layer to that. Kansas City is in the bottom half of the league in time of possession. Le'Veon's definitely going to help with that. I don't think they'll like mold their entire offense around Bell, but he'll definitely be a key contributor. And I've heard this saying a lot, but the wealthy and the wealthy gets wealthier. So it's definitely a plus, not a minus. And honestly, it might be a defense pick because Buffalo was in the market for him too. So, you know, why not tack him on? Yeah, for me, I mean, if you're Le'Veon Bell, there's one place that's on the top of your list, and that's Kansas City. I mean, they're already stacked. You look at their time of possession, like you said, Jason, not very good. They just had, you know, only 80 yards rushing against the Raiders, which, you know, cost them the game, in my opinion. You know, they couldn't get the ball moving. You had Le'Veon Bell, who could very well be one of the best running backs in the league. He was kind of underachieving in New York on the Jets because everyone underachieves on the Jets because they're kind of a tire fire, as we always say on this show. But to your point, Jason, the wealthy gets wealthier. And it's, it's, it's crazy because you look at their weapons – they add Le'Veon. They already have Mahomes, who's arguably the best quarterback in the league right now. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Nicole Hardman, Sammy Watkins. Just wow. So, you know, they're, they're going to be in the, in the discussion come January when, you know, the postseason rolls around. So it's going to be interesting to see what they look like going forward. It definitely improves the offense. And you give Pat Mahomes another weapon to work with. How is, how's that not an improvement? And especially from the running game, the Chiefs are currently ranked 13th in the NFL with 119 yards per game on the ground. They've only scored one touchdown from a running back this year, and that happened all the way back in week one. So I like the move, but I think it's a little hypocritical from uh, Le'Veon because he left the Jets because he wasn't getting a big enough role in the offense. But you go to Kansas City, who has the best passing offense in the league, 
where you're not going to get that many touches. He left New York because he wanted to be the focal point of an offense. If that's the case, why not go to Miami where you would have been the best player on the field? Why not at least go to Buffalo where later in the year they'll start running the ball more with all the snow and the cold. I get it. You go to KC because it's Mahomes and it's championship opportunity, but he never said any of that. That's not why he left New York. He didn't join New York to win a championship. I don't think Le'Veon Bell cares about winning a championship all, all that much. I just think it's when the fact that KC said they were interested, like, how can I not go there? But I just think it's a little hypocritical for him to be like, oh, I want more playing time, and then go to a team that doesn't really run the ball all that much. Well, so he, I think the you're referring to the, the tweets that he was liking about how he doesn't get enough touches, right? I'm referring to him saying it, yeah. Yeah. To me, that's just an excuse. Get me out of New York. This place sucks. Like that, <laughs> there's any, any reason is going to be a reason to get out of New York. And if you go to Miami, that's not really going to go well. I mean, they're still kind of in their re- rebuilding stage. You go to Buffalo. I mean, I like that. That's, a, that's actually a pretty good spot. I mean, the Bills look really good this year. You know, they have great players in Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. But you look at the Chiefs. How can you turn the Chiefs down? I mean, the Chiefs were just in the Super Bowl last year. They won it. And then you look at all those other weapons. Yeah, maybe he won't be as involved in the, the play calling and everything. But like winning, as we always say on the show, winning solves everything. Winning fixes everything. And as long as he's winning, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, I, I mean, playing time might be a part of why he left New York. But I think the primary reason is because of Adam, Adam Gase. And I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here. But yeah, Trey Wingo last night on Twitter, to credit him for this take, but Adam Gase's relationship with Le'Veon Bell fell through kind of like his relationship with Jay Ajayi in Miami a couple years ago. Remember that? Um, Ajayi in Miami, 2017, seven starts, 130 attempts, 465 yards, no touchdowns, and 3.4 yards in attempt. He goes to Philadelphia same year, like a week later, and he didn't get as many starts, but 70 attempts and his yards were pretty much the same. Translation, he was more efficient. He had like close to six yards a carry. It just worked for him. And Bell, I think, is the same kind of way. Like, they hardly used him. Gase, like he, when Bell was first signed, didn't really approve of the signing, which was weird. Yeah, let's sign Le'Veon Bell six minutes later. I don't like the signing of Le'Veon Bell. Like, why? What are you doing? So I don't think playing time was the driving factor of it. But <sighs> New York's just a tire fire, and I don't think, you know, I think Gase is like the top of the list for wanting to leave. Absolutely. I just say, you know, you say you want more playing time, you want to be more involved. Why go, and as a running back, why go somewhere where you're not going to run the ball all that much? You know, but let's talk about his career with the Jets a little bit. Le'Veon Bell was a three-time Pro Bowler with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But after sitting out for the entire 2018 season, he only ran for 863 yards and three touchdowns as a member of the New York Jets. Do you guys think that's more to do with the Jets' poor coaching and game planning, or is Le'Veon Bell past his prime? I think you could probably make an argument for both, but I, I looked at look at the stats earlier. Um, after his last year in Pittsburgh to now, 3.7 yards a carry, that would rank 30th in the NFL if that was a team's statistic. So, I, yes, that's part of the Jets' scheme, and they didn't use him right, obviously, but that's including a Pittsburgh year where he made the Pro Bowl. So uh, you, could, you could make the argument that, you know, Bell's not the player he once was, especially after missing that one year. That was probably crucial, despite getting the money from the Jets, you know, one, one year later. But I don't put him in the top five running backs right now. I don't even think I put him in the top ten. He might be middle of the pack. 
Yeah, the argument can definitely be made for both. I think for me, it's more of a detriment to the Jets than it is for Le'Veon Bell because as we always say, I mean, I don't think they were using him right, obviously. Adam Gase just, to me, doesn't know what he's doing. And, you know, with Le'Veon, you have, like, even if he's middle of the pack, he's, he's really talented. He's a talented guy. And not only can he run it, but he can also catch it out of the backfield too. So he's kind of a dual threat running back in that sense. And to not use him and, you know, for that little yards and that amount of time, that's, to me, that doesn't speak so much on his talent as much as it does on, like, what are the Jets doing? And I think with the Chiefs, you're going to see him catching a lot of passes out of the backfield, you know, screen passes, over the middle, check down. So look out for that. But, yeah, I just, I just don't think the Jets were using him right. I think it's a mix of both. Like, the, from the beginning, I didn't like the Jets signing him. It didn't make sense to me. Why go to a team where, you know, it's a rebuilding team, poor organization, badly run, bad offensive line, no one to block for you. Uh, I think he just went there completely for the money. Yeah. You know? But I also think that the days of Le'Veon Bell running for 100-plus yards a game are over. The last time he did it was three years ago in 2017 in Week 15 against the Patriots. And even then... He had a six-game stretch leading up to that game where he ran for less than 100 yards on the ground. I, I just don't think he's, he's not going to get 20-plus touches in KC anymore. He's not, yeah. the, he's not a bell cow back. Yeah, he, he's a good, you know, steady gain, maybe three yards of carry, good first down back, maybe a, you know, third down back. But he's not, you know, he's not Ezekiel Elliott. He's not, uh, he's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not Saquon Barkley. He's not a top back anymore. I, he does. He adds another dynamic to the Chiefs' offense, but and there's, the Chiefs are still a downhill team. They're still chuck it all over the place. They're still air raid type of offense. This adds just another little wrinkle, someone that they can you know use out of the backfield, underneath on third and long if they need to. If everything's covered down the middle, down the field. But he's not a hundred plus yard back a game anymore. I, I think he, he's past his prime, and partly because the Jets didn't use him right. Also because of taken 2018 off. But the addition of Bell to the Chiefs, are the Chiefs now a super team? Is this a super team type of move? Ben, I want to go with you first on this one. You, yeah, you Ben, have, you love your super team. Yeah, so. you've... Uh, I, well, listen. <laughs> I hate the term super team. I think it's kind of overused nowadays, but I think their offense is definitely stacked. Like, I mean, like I said in, in the opening, you know, you have Mahomes running the show. Right now, the MVP race is him, Russell Wilson, and I'd put Aaron Rodgers in there as well. And then you have his weapons, who are Travis Kelsey, probably the best tight end in the league, um, Tyreek Hill, one of the best wide receivers in the league, Nicole Hardman, great second-year player, Sammy Watkins, who's been electric so far. You just have all these options. Then you add Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield, who, by the way, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a great running back right now. I mean, he's been playing really well. so. You have that kind of tandem in the backfield. They just have so much depth now, and they just have all the, all these different weapons. And, you know, Andrew, I think you said this a couple of weeks ago on the show that I haven't seen a quarterback have this many weapons since, like, Peyton Manning maybe back in, like, 06, right? With, like, Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and those guys, right? And that's the kind of offense I'm seeing with this. Like, they, they're just stacking the deck against the other teams, so... Super team, eh, I mean, super team means the whole team. Their defense still, you know, has, you know, their issues. They have some good games, sure, 
but they also have games where they give up points. So the offense is stacked for sure, but I'm, I'm going to hold back on the super team for now. Yeah, I'm going to hold back on the super, on the super team too. Uh, not because I don't think they're the best team in the league right now. I think they're honestly in a category of their own. Um, but they're, they are particularly vulnerable when you can game plan it and especially put the ball on the ground like a Tennessee and just say, you know what, Mahomes, you're going to watch the game from the sideline. And, I, and that's kind of a tough place for Kansas City to rest right now. Um, but I think there's a way to beat Kansas City. Le'Veon definitely helps in that department, you know, keeping Mahomes on the field, you know, relieving the pressure, making Mahomes kind of like a, like a surgeon more than an air raid kind of guy. Uh, that'll definitely help Mahomes down the stretch of the postseason, keep him fresh, keep him kind of unpredictable at this point. Uh, but super team is kind of like, I don't expect anyone to beat them ever. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think there is a point where someone can beat them. And I'm sure we'll get to that later in the season. But uh, super team is a little strong, but they're definitely, you know, number one in my book. They're a great team with a super offense. Yeah, that's where I put them. But they got an above average to good defense. The defense still struggles to stop the run. They're averaging about five yards per game. They're allowing five yards per game on the ground. You can't do that. That allows other teams to move the chains and keep drives going and keep Mahomes off the field, which is pretty much the formula to beat the Chiefs. You keep Mahomes off the field. You hold the ball, you run it, and that's where the defense sort of needs to step up a little bit more. I like Chris Jones. I like Tyron Matthew. Uh, Reggie Ragland's pretty good, but – Really, that defense needs a little bit of help, especially in the front seven. Help out there. Uh, they're, my, they're still my pick to win the AFC, but they're not hands-down favorite to win the Super Bowl just yet, and that's not until they add on defense and improve there. But some other teams in sports have improved, or did they? Ty Lu, now the head coach of the LA Clippers. Our thoughts next here on the final call. Back on the final call on Radio Massasoit. This segment of the final call is brought to you by New England Sports United, written by the one and only Jason Snow. New England Sports United, written for New England. A great publication. By the way, why aren't we playing big rings for this segment? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh. Early shots from Jason Snow oh. and the Clippers. Sorry. I love it. By the I way, I'm so sorry. I want to well, give a shout out. I want to give a shout out to Van Halen, RIP, yeah. Van Halen. Great song choice, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. I just feel like we had to do it for Eddie. Absolutely. Jason has no idea what we're talking about, but... Way over my head. <laughs> Rest in peace to one of the goats of uh, guitar playing. Let's just... Absolutely. One of the, yeah. one of the greatest. Yeah. No, I, no argument about that. Right, Jason? <laughs> I can't even like recall what name you said like five seconds ago. So. LeBron's <laughs> the greatest guitar player of all time. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Whatever. Wait, what were we talking about? Ty Lu is the new head coach oh, of the Los okay. Angeles right. Clippers is what we're talking about. Uh, he joins the uh, – not joins. He signs on as the Clippers head coach for the next five years. Uh, what should be his first priority as the head coach of the Clippers, Ben? Get rid of Paul George. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, but in all honesty, I like it because I when we were talking about who's going to be – the Clippers head coach. I said Ty Lu from the jump because that's the obvious choice. He was the assistant under Doc Rivers. Just give him the job. It's the best opportunity. But what should he do? How about let's not focus on one team. How about just focus on making your team better in terms of, you know, 
game planning, personnel, everything. Because I think the problem with the Clippers last season, what we saw was they were building to beat the uh, Lakers. And they're trying to win the Battle of LA, and they were getting to that. And they completely slept on the team that they were playing, the Denver Nuggets, and they got blown out and they choked. They gagged hard. So how do you fix that? Don't have tunnel vision. Just focus on the task at hand. Do not focus on beating the Lakers. Focus on winning a championship. Focus on, how about this? Focus on getting past the second round. Let's keep it light, okay? Just keep it, keep it very simple. Get past the second round. Make the Western Conference Finals. That'd be awesome for your organization. Just don't worry about beating the Lakers or beating the Warriors or beating whoever's on top because that system always fails. I, I have yet to see it, that system win at one point in time. So that's that's where I would go if I was Ty Lue. Yeah, that's a good strategy. Don't hunt down another team. Focus on yourself. Um, I like that one. My main thing is work on chemistry because you saw, you know, it's a little icy. It's a little dicey late in that playoff run. It was yeah, a little weird. Uh, reports came out today that uh, Patrick Beverly, Montrezl Harrell, and Lou Williams don't like the fact that Kawhi lives in San Diego and is often late to team flights, and that's kind of rubbing the wrong way. They're just a mess. Um, and I, I think, you know, maybe... The I didn't Paul hear J- that. That's good. It's weird, right? Yeah. Um, so, in terms of Ty Lue, it's... I don't regard him as, you know, a top 10 coach. He's, he's okay. He, he's all right. Uh, you, can win, you can win games with Ty Lue, especially if you have LeBron on your team and you have Kawhi Leonard on your team. Um, you know, he's an you know, excellent assistant. He's proved to be that at, at the very least. Head coach, you know, the Cavs fired him after six games. So do rebuilding teams give up on young 42-year-old head coaches six games into a season after they, did, they just got to a finals with LeBron? Not typically. So that might be a cause for concern yet. That might be a Cleveland problem, which, you know, that's, there's a long list of those. Um, so, you know, it could vary to a lot of things, but in, in total, I, I'm okay with the loose signing. I don't love it, nor do I hate it. It's okay. Yeah. I don't think it really adds anything to this team. I mean, it's just, he was the guy that was there. He, they need someone to help improve the chemistry. He can do that. I don't know if it really adds anything to the basketball side of the equation. His first priority, though, calisthenics. I want him having guys doing Zumba. I want Kawhi in, like, leg warmers. They're doing, like, the dancing thing that you see women do at gyms. It's like, ha, who, ha. Andrew's had a lot of strange takes. This might want to be one of the strangest. <laughs> I want to do, Where is this think going? About think about it. Clippers fade down the stretch in, the, in late in games. They blew a 3-1 lead. We're talking about all this load management, right? Get your stamina up. Calisthenics. That's, that's Ty Lue's first priority with the Clippers. Calisthenics. Get your, Pilates. Get, yeah, exactly. Aerobics, Pilates, long-distance running. <laughs> just Stairmasters. I want the whole Clippers gym just filled with Stairmasters. Hey, I'm, hey honestly... This I'm is on not board. a bad take. I'm this on no, bad. not Thank at all. You. I'm Thank I'm you. on board with that. No load management. Play play the whole season. Let's go. I'm not mad at that take at all because yeah. hey, you're 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 right, Andrew. Because hey, they faded down the stretch, but I I do like the the chemistry one as well. I think chemistry is definitely a problem. There were also reports that after the Clippers blew the three one lead to the Nuggets, 
that Paul George gave a, he tried to give like a rah-rah speech to the locker room about how, you know, oh, we'll be back next year better than ever, blah, blah. And it was met with eye rolls from the Clippers team. It doesn't say who was rolling their eyes, but I assume it was pretty much everyone except for Kawhi, who was probably recharging his batteries or something. But if if you're trying to give a speech about like giving the rah rah, like oh we'll be back next year, and your team's rolling their eyes at you, there's a chemistry problem. There's something not there's there's something not right there. So that's something to look at for sure. But yeah, uh, fitness, stamina, I'm all for it. Yeah, and just to back up my my chemistry thing, uh, it was Jovan Buha of the Athletic. Uh, says that Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and Montrezl Harrell were a bit ticked off at the fact that Kawhi Leonard was allowed to sit out games whenever he wanted in name of load management. Leonard could also reportedly live in his hometown of San Diego, which often made him late for team flights and dictate to Rivers when he wanted to be pulled from games. So that's you know a little uneasy for them. Um, but yeah, the Paul George thing, I like going into the season last year, I was like, you know, the Clippers might be the best built team out there. Long defenders, three-point shooters, good defenders, especially Pat Beverly and Kawhi. I thought they fit. This goes to show how much chemistry you know, really matters in a game like basketball. Denver Nuggets, really tight-knit team. Miami Heat, tight-knit team. The Lakers, even the, po- the post-celebration, tight-knit team. You could see how those kind of flourish, especially in, like in a bubble-type scenario. But yeah, Ty Lue's first thing is... We got we got we have some fit things to fix. We're not just gonna you know enter next year with the same roster and status quo and be on top of the league. You have some work to do. Does naming Tyloo the head coach make the Clippers any better? Yeah, I mean not really. Cause think about it, he's already there. He was there last year. Doc Rivers was there, and you know putting Tyloo there, it's just kind of from a basketball standpoint. No, maybe he could you know. F- fix around the edges a little bit with the chemistry and everything. But for me, it's like, if you're the Clippers, who, what made them so entitled? Like, Oh, we expect a title. Like what? Like they're not getting along because Kawhi is, is late for team flights and everything. First of all, how do you confront Kawhi Leonard about anything? Cause he's going to answer the exact same way. If you say Kawhi, you're having a, you're having a, a child, you know, like you're, you're having a baby boy. Aren't you excited? I'm thrilled. And then it's like, Oh, Kawhi, <laughs> you know, we're really mad about, uh, you being late for team flights. Oh, sorry about that. I'll try to be better. It's like the dude has no personality. How do you relate with that? And if he's the star player, you know, the best player on your team, which he is, you know, he's not that leader. He's not the, the vocal guy, like LeBron, like, you know what I mean? He's, it's just, I don't know how that's going to work, but to answer your question, you know, Ty Lue, if he's going to make the team better, he's going to have to somehow rally his guys around him and around a team goal rather than, you know, trying to be like, okay, Kawhi, take over. You're the leader of this team. So that's the only thing I can see happening. Yeah, it doesn't make him any worse because Ty Lue was there last year and you just replace him like you just go one up one rung up and then you're promoting Ty Lue. You lose Doc Rivers, who is, you know, his, his reputation might've taken a hit after this last postseason, you know, gauging how, on how it went, but he's still a top 10 coach. You just slide Ty Lue up a position. You bring in Chauncey Billups, who's never been a coach in the league to, you know, be that lead assistant. 
I like Chauncey. I think he's got potential. He's been rumored to have head coaching um, offers in the in the past, um, but in the end, I don't think it makes him any better. Unless, honestly, this might be a big swing, but I don't think there's any way they honestly get any better going in in the next season. What do you trade Paul George for a bunch for a bunch of picks? That's not going to help you right now. You're, you're kind of cap strapped in terms of money. You're paying Patrick Beverly thirteen million. He hasn't been you know worth all that. There's no way going into next season that the media consensus is going to be positive about the Clippers. They're just going to look back on the 3-1 deficit and engage it from there. Um, they're not going to be a title favorite. They're going to be in that bubble, but they're not going to be a favorite. I don't see them getting any better regardless of what they do this offseason. That's including bringing in Ty Lue. You know, it really doesn't. It's just kind of like, I just feel like Ty Lue is going to be a high-priced babysitter. <laughs> you know, D doesn't that's a, that's a bit strong but no he'll help improve the chemistry but you know and you know he'll help guys get along and maybe that that's just the whole issue but what does he fix from a basketball standpoint i don't really think much we know what he was in cleveland he was yeah again he was just kind of the he was lebron's assistant he had the title <laughs> of head coach but he wasn't the head coach we know that. And who knows, maybe he learned a lot under Doc Rivers. Maybe he's, you know, he's developed and he's taken steps in that department. But I don't know. I just don't see Ty Lue as a – I don't look at Ty Lue and I don't see leader. I don't look at Ty Lue and I don't see great X's and O's. You know, Ty Lue is just, eh. Okay, you're Ty Lue. You know, I don't think he really adds much to the to this Clippers dynamic. It's just – as long as just, you know, just kind of playing mediator. You know, no, you're – Pat – Shut up. Don't stop chirping the other team when you haven't done anything all series. Paul, we get it. You handle your stuff. You know, we bubble situation. We're, you're good. Kawhi, can you show some sort of enthusiasm? Lou, I don't care how good the wings are. You stay where you are. That type of thing. Like it, it, It's a high-priced babysitter at this point, I think. Letting everyone know their role and keeping them in line. But ultimately, the, the goal for the Clippers next season is to somehow contend with the Lakers. Right, especially after the Lakers just won their 17th title, the weight of the world is now on the Clippers next season. It is truly championship or bust. This season was worst case scenario for them. You blew a 3-1 lead in the second round to the Denver Nuggets and didn't even get a chance to play the Lakers on their road to a championship, their 17th championship. And now Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can opt out after next season. If they don't win a title this year, it, this was a complete mess. You gave up, what, how many first-round picks for Paul George? You signed Kawhi Leonard to a giant contract and put yourself in cap jail. This absolutely has to work for the Lakers. I mean, for the Clippers. Absolutely has to work. And never made it to a conference finals in their franchise history. Never yeah. once have made it to the conference finals. Lakers have 17 NBA titles. Like, like it's, it's not, Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's... It, they're not going to match the legacy of the Lakers. Oh, nowhere they, close. But, I mean, just at least put up a fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if they don't, this was all for naught. The way of the world is on the Clippers next year to succeed. And it, it really is championship or bust, especially after the Lakers just won a title. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I definitely agree with the fact that it's championship or bust. But, again, I don't want them to fall into that pattern of, oh, we need to beat the Lakers. We need to beat the Lakers. Because if you're going to focus on one team, then you're going to lose focus on the other teams that you have to face along the way. So yes, they do need a championship, but if you manage to face the Lakers down the line, 
then worry about the Lakers. Don't just go the whole season. We need to beat the Lakers. We need to win the Battle of L.A. We need to make L.A. a Clippers town because they're not going to win that battle. Ne- they're never going to win that battle. If the Clippers win the next two championships, they're still not going to win that battle because L.A. will always be a Lakers town, and that's just how it is. Not about legacy. It's about putting up some sort of fight. Yeah. Championships galore in L.A. Maybe... Maybe for the LA Dodgers, too. I don't know. They're down 3 1 the NLCS. We'll give some baseball talk coming up next. Ben's annual break for the show. Woo! Baseball talk next here on the final call. Back on the final call. Ben, name one player that plays for the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, man. You caught me. Uh, you, you caught me. I. Uh... Tom Brady. No, no, no. Sorry. Um, I won't accept that as as an Wait, no. Who did you say? Who who did we Uh, say? Mike Arruzzioni. No, that wasn't it. Randy Arrozarena. Thank you, Jason. He's wearing a hot bat right now, and so is uh, Yiman Choi. Yiman Choi. Thank you. That was the other one. I know these things. I'll tell you another one right now. Oh, boy. I'm not oh, looking, looking down at Google. I'm not looking it up. I'm definitely not. Really? What, what's that? What's that? Uh, light. The, yeah. listeners, the, the, right the listeners cannot see me, so I don't know what you guys are talking about. Tyler Glasnow. You didn't even say his name right. <laughs> oh man, Glasnow. Oh, I got this one ready. Oh boy, Big Yoshimoto Tsutsugo. Tsutsugo. Hold ben, on. You, you had like Charlie Morton, Blake Snell. You chose like one of the hardest ones to say. Those are at the top of the list. Austin Meadows, uh, Brandon Lowe. Yeah, Blake, Blake Snell, Austin Meadows, Brandon Lowe, Willie Adams. Oh my God. Adamas. Ado- okay. That's like you saying Tatus. That, that's even worse. That was, but that was real though. <laughs> yeah, that was a- real. A-D-A-M-E-S. How else would I say that? I guess. Adamas. All right, whatever. They're up three. They're up. They're up now. They're up 3-2, but, I mean, they could – I don't know. I mean, why, Jason, why do you think Tampa Bay hasn't been able to finish off the Astros yet? I don't know. I really don't know. Like, momentum is a powerful thing, and Ben and I say it nearly every episode now. It's an episode thing. But, um, yeah, Carlos Correa really smacked that one out of the park. But I love so much about Tampa Bay, and they're my World Series pick for any new listeners. Um, Brandon Lau was struggling, you know, prior to that game last night, led off the Tampa Bay run with a homer himself. Randy Rosarena swinging one of the hottest bats in baseball right now. G-Man Choi also chipped in. Ben, those are your two favorites I heard uh, through the grapevine. But yeah, I love so much about Tampa's defense, but ultimately it just came down to clutch hitting. Um, you know, you could kind of criticize where they placed some of those pitches. Um, they were kind of in the strike zone, but Houston came to play and I, I don't, love the back end of Houston's bullpen. Um, James was, you know, not necessarily great. He came out of the game injured, but ultimately I, I'm still going to ride with my Rays. Um, I just, you know, I just love so much about him. So Ben, any thoughts? I think the Astros are dirty, rotten cheaters. I also don't like Carlos Correa. I do think that home run was really good though, but I still think they're dirty, rotten cheaters. So. They are dirty, rotten cheaters, but I think something that everyone's forgetting about the Astros, and this is including myself because I'm, I'm rooting against the Astros. I want the Rays to win. But ultimately, the Astros have been better in the big spots in this series, and that's due to postseason experience. In the last three years, going back to 2017, 
the Astros have played in 50 postseason games leading up to this series. And that's not something you can erase. That's not something that you can take away from them. Yep. You know, regardless of how they got there, they were there. You can't erase experience. The Rays are a young team. They haven't been to the ALCS since 2008. They were eliminated in the division series last year by the Astros in five games. The Rays are a generally under, uh, unexperienced team. The Astros have been here before. And whether you like it or not, the Astros are seasoned vets. And that's what's gotten them here. They're down 3-2. I'm praying to God they don't win tonight. I, do, I cannot imagine them being in the same conversation as the 0-4 Red Sox. Because to me, that's like putting the Lakers in the same category as the Celtics in terms of most championships as it is for Ben. Like That would sting me just as much as that. Putting yeah. the, the Astros in the same category as that Red Sox team. Because that's, that's the team that got me into sports in general. Quick, quick question, and I know this is kind of off topic, but for you specifically, Andrew, um, if the Astros do happen to sneak into the World Series and, and possibly win it or even contend, is the cheating things like swept under the so, rug a little bit? Like, yeah, it is. And, you know, I think if the Astros get to the World Series, if they come back from being down 3-0 and make it to the World Series, one, Carlos Correa will be insufferable. And he'll, he'll have every right to be so, though. He'll have every right to run his mouth, and there's nothing we can say about it. Ugh. And I hate, I hate the idea of it. I hate Carlos Correa. But he's the best player on the Astros right now. He's carrying this team offensively. Yeah. I'm not going to deny the output. I just, wish he shut his, I just wish he shut his mouth about it. But I hate him. I hate that team. But if they make it back to the World Series, they'll shut everybody up. They, they absolutely will. Question. If you say they have the postseason experience, which they do, I mean, going into the postseason, you must have all the confidence in the world when you know what pitches are coming, no? I mean, still, yes, but that experience there still helps in, in moments like this. Yeah. You know? I hear you, yeah. Like, why, why were the Patriots so good for so long in the postseason? Because they were there every year. True. Experience. They, they, they weren't afraid of the moment. Astros aren't afraid of the moment right now. They're living up to it. Resilient I hate to, team. Yeah. I hate to say it. I really do. Because I want them to get their teeth kicked in. Yeah. But a team that is getting their teeth kicked in, the LA Dodgers, my pick to win the World Series. The Dodgers are down 3-1 right now in the NLCS to the Atlanta Braves. Jason, should we be surprised by this? Or is this just who the Dodgers are? <sighs> it, I think we should be a little surprised by it because of how it's being done. Bryce Wilson was you know sent down to the minors at the end of September, called up recently. Did we really expect him to pitch the game that he did? I mean, we can put last night on, on, on Kershaw. He had like four in runs in five innings. That wasn't the best of performances. But early on, he had control. He was really good. And, and to put that on Kershaw, if anyone is, Dodgers had three hits all night. That, I think that, that sums up pretty much what, all you need to know. Don't put this one on Kershaw. The Braves bullpen bent and didn't break you know the Braves are a real team they really are and, and they get production Dansby Swanson has some power Ronald Acuna the list goes on Ozzie Albies is really good Freddie Freeman is arguably the best defensive first baseman in baseball and that adds on to the offensive arsenal he has and just a matter of like I don't think it's the Dodgers laying down either it's just I don't know I, I really don't know what to, how to categorize it but what do you think I, I don't think we should be surprised because I think we undersold the Braves I did, yeah. at least. I mean, elite offensive team. 
elite offensive team. Freddie Freeman is my pick for NL MVP. Uh, and their young pitching has been excellent. I mean, besides Kyle Wright in game three, who gave up, what, 11 runs in the first inning. But, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't great. But, I mean, hey, but Max Freed, shutdown pitcher. Ian Anderson has been great. Bryce Wilson shoved yesterday. Yep. You know, and we, the whole time we were saying, this brave starting rotation, it's young, it's inexperienced. You know, they this starting pitching needs to be better. But they've performed excellent. They've been great. And the offense has, carried the, has helped carry the load. Ozzy Albies ton of home runs. Uh, Marcelo Zuna is looking like a great pickup in the offseason. Ronald Acuna, again, star. He's like my pick to be like – it's him, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. as like the next wave of superstars in Major League Baseball. Yep. You know, we completely undersold the Atlanta Braves in the series. But the Dodgers, they're continuing to fail. You know, look at Mookie Betts right now. I mean, just given after that giant contract they gave him, but in this series he's hitting – 143 with a 294 on base percentage and a 143 slugging percentage, zero extra base hits, three strikeouts. Even I know that's bad. Mookie Betts has been terrible, and he's been he was bad in the playoffs with the Red Sox. In 2018, he didn't have a great postseason, you know. And the bullpen. I mean, I don't really blame Kershaw yesterday. I really don't. You know, I know that the whole uh, narrative with him is can't perform in the postseason, but he played well against Milwaukee. He pitched well against the Padres. He gave up four runs, but the where was the run support from the Dodgers? Where was the, where was the run support from the Dodgers uh, bats? That's what I'm saying. And it was a pitcher's drill for most of the you know first half of the game last night. Yeah, and but the bullpen has been terrible. The Dodgers bullpen has been dog poop. Gratterall was terrible. Oh, how about just Blake Trinan? Yeah, the Dodgers bullpen. They've given up 15 runs in four games. Horrendous, and especially Walker Bueller pitched pretty well. Kershaw was okay last night. I mean, you can't expect your starting pitching to be dominant night in and night out without any run support and your bullpen, you know, crap the bed. Yeah. Dodgers have been awful. They've been yeah. absolutely terrible in this and series. I just want to ask you this question, Andrew. Is it's, it's, maybe it's about Kershaw. Like, Kershaw is kind of the antithesis of what analytics want. Analytics want high-velocity guys strike you out, you know, get through innings quick. Kershaw is kind of a guy that want to make you, you know, want to make you work. And his fast, like he mainly works his change up in his 89 mile an hour. And, you know, he dominates in the upper eighties, low nineties. That's kind of not where the, the sport is going. Is that kind of where the Dodgers are getting capitalized? Is that an indictment of Kershaw? The way his style doesn't match up with the way the sport is going? No, I don't think so. I mean, Kershaw is, again, he's a first ballot hall of famer, three time Cy Young award winner. I mean, Eventually, you're gonna lose your velocity, right? Look at someone like look at Zach Grinky right now, who doesn't throw very hard, but it's how it's his pitch placement. CC Sabathia, who once threw close to 100 miles per hour early on in his career, found success later in his career with a, with a good cutter and good location. It's not so much about velocity. Yeah, I mean, the star pitches of today are oh god, Ben, no, 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 and Andrew no. finish, Andrew finish. That's what she said. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's got to violate FCC regulation. <laughs> you were saying that was really but, good, but the, Jesus. the Dodgers, uh, Kershaw, where's my lotion? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, 
Oh, this went off the rails quick. I knew this would happen in a baseball segment. I just didn't think it because oh, of me. Oh, man. <laughs> no, but I don't blame uh, – just because Kershaw isn't exactly an analytics darling for baseball, an analytics nerd, that's not the reason why he's performed poorly in the postseason. But, Ben, your point. I just had an interesting kind of analogy, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong in this. Is Clayton Kershaw kind of like where the kind of player that, you know, in his younger years he is athletic and he dominates with his, you know, athleticism? Then the example I'm going to make here, without making anyone mad, Jason, you know, Michael Jordan in his younger years was very athletic and dominated with his athleticism. And then in his later years, when his athleticism started to degrade a little bit, he relied more on his skill and his outside jumper and all that. Is that kind of where you're getting at with the Clayton Kershaw thing and how he loses velocity? I mean, it depends on how you adapt after that, though. Right? Kershaw wasn't... He never really threw incredibly hard. I mean, yeah, his fastball topped out at like 95, 96. But he wasn't a guy who's blowing 100 first pitch of the game. He wasn't Jacob DeGrom. He wasn't a role as Chapman, but he had great location and he had a nasty breaking ball and slider mix. Mm-hmm. You know, Clayton Kershaw has always been a, not a finesse pitcher, but he's been a, a pitcher who knew how to execute his pitches to a T. And it's harder to do that when your fastball loses velocity because your fastball, there isn't as great of a difference between your fastball and your changeup now. There isn't as great of a difference between your curveball and your fastball now. You know, and that's yeah. where Clayton Kershaw really relied. It's all about execution. And I think, especially in this season, this postseason, he's done a great job executing. He has. He played really good well in the division series against San Diego. He pitched well against Milwaukee in the wild card round. I thought Clayton Kershaw was really uh, changing, changing some minds and changing attitudes. But, you know, eventually the Dodger bats have to wake up. Eventually you need more out of Mookie Betts. You need more of your bullpen. And with that being said, they're down 3-1. Jason, do the Braves close out this series tonight? I don't know if they close it out tonight, but they definitely close it out. At least they they close out in six. Bryce Wilson last night, his pitch count wasn't really that high. So maybe there's a quick turnaround where they can use him in a possible game six. I, I think the momentum for Atlanta is, is too hard to come by. I think the, the Dodgers might steal another one simply because their backs might wake up for, you know, briefly. But in, in total, I think it's Atlanta's to lose, to be honest. Ben, any thoughts? Anything you want to say about that? Yeah, Ben. What, what's your gut feeling? I mean, your your gut's pretty strong on baseball topics, but what what is your what is your gut saying about this one? I think the Dodgers are done. I think it's just about a wrap. And you know, I know it's not fair to put it all on Clayton Kershaw, but I mean, you're arguably the best pitcher in the league. It's like the quarterback position in football. It always falls on the quarterback. It always is going to fall on the pitcher because that's the most important player on the field. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but. I'm a little I was I'm not gonna lie, I was a little surprised because I thought the Dodgers were gonna make it to the World Series yet again with all that star power. I mean Mookie Betts, Bellinger. So like, yeah, I mean I'm a little surprised, but I think the the Braves are gonna wrap it up. I got the Braves winning the night. And they the Dodgers were my World Series pick, but you're looking at the starting pitching matchups for tonight. Right now, the Dodgers are starting Dustin May. He's battled injuries all year long, and he's only started one game in the postseason thus far, and he's only pitched three innings in that. He has to go at least five or six if the Dodgers want to win tonight because they can't rely on their bullpen. And the Braves, they haven't announced their starting pitcher, but I'm assuming he's going to be Max Fried, mm-hmm. who's been great this postseason. Dodger bats will have their work cut out for them. It's really pitching needs to step up. Starting pitching needs to step up 
because I don't re- I don't trust the Dodger bullpen right now, and the bats need to come alive. Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, uh, Justin Turner, those guys need to have a, a game for themselves tonight if the Dodgers want to extend the series. That's about all the time we have for the final call this time around. Again, it's been a great one year of final call. Thank you to all the listeners and everyone who has gone along and supported us along the way. Uh, as always, you can find this wherever you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're interested in doing some reading, make sure you check out New England Sports United and scoreboardtimes.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Final Call MCC. For Ben Memoritas, for Jason Snow, this is Andrew Fantuccio. This has been one year of the Final Call. Must be some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief There's too much confusion